today we do this a couple times a year. We do it once when we get back into the swing of things at school, and we do it also in January. But we talk about what is our mission and our vision here at the church. Uh, specifically, how do we reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ. This is how we, uh, if you wonder how we make decisions and how our thought processes work, why we say yes to certain things, why we say no to other things, it's because we put it through this filter of reach, grow, and serve. And so we're going to talk about that today, specifically in the light of uh, Luke chapter 10. Luke is a gospel, which means it's all about Jesus. And you might go, isn't the Bible all about Jesus? Um, well, it, specifically, some of the books of the Bible are even more about the life and times and the teaching of Jesus. So if you turn to your, in your Bible in Luke, you're going to find out uh, some stuff we're talking about today. So Luke chapter 10, put a finger there. We exist to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ. Been asking this question a lot in our um, elder meetings, in our staff meetings. We've been talking a lot about, uh, even for the last, I've been here four years now, and we've been talking, how do we make this better? How do we do this better? How do we do this thing in, in, better at church? How do we make our service better? How do we make our logo better? How do we make our children's ministry better? How do we do these things better? And the question, and this is very, like something that's been rattling around in my brain and, and, and kind of gut checking me, is have we been asking the question, how do we do better for the community? And so as I start thinking through that and through the paradigm of we reach, grow, and serve the community, what does that mean for us? What does that look like as we try to become a great church for this community? There's different churches in this community. If you drive, just drive down this road, you're going to see different Catholic churches and different Baptist churches and uh, all, all kinds of different churches. But what makes a great church for this community? I don't have any goals to be the only church in the community. I'm not saying I have a sole propriety on, on truth and you must get it dispensed from Jared or you're wrong. Uh, if you know me at all, you probably know that's not how that works. Um, but how do we become a great church for the community? And so answering that question today, we're going to study in Luke chapter 10, story of the Good Samaritan. But also, how does that deal with what we're, we're talking about? How does that work with us as a church? Situated in between a firehouse and a school. What do, what do we do in that? How do we maximize our potential? How do we maximize our position? What does that look like? How do we become a great church for the community? It means we have to gain influence. And what does that mean? What does that look like? How do we gain influence in a community? Not to manipulate someone, not to force someone to our own viewpoint, not to do uh, make become more popular or, or whatever, but how do we influence people? Because I think the call to influence people in their life is so dramatic from Jesus on our lives. How we touch people's lives. We are called in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, and the next series that we're going to do is called Under Construction. And I'm very excited about this next series uh, in Under Construction. In fact, I wrote this message four weeks ago. Uh, the, for next week's message is four weeks ago. That does not happen for me. Uh, ever. Uh, I wrote it, and I've been trying to give it every week since I wrote it, but it was like, no, it's not time yet. Uh, so I'm very excited about, about the series under construction and how we're going to delve into that. We're going to delve into the Sermon on the Mount, which is 
Jesus's, it's like the cliff notes of Jesus's teaching. Uh, it's found in the gospels, but it's just some of the most amazing, world-changing, mind-changing uh, way of how we live our life um, that, that Jesus imparts into us. And so we're going to take a long time this fall delving into the Sermon on the Mount, but really under this idea of how are we under construction? How are we getting better? How, wh- where, we're, where are we going with that? And I'm very, very excited about that, but it all stems to how do we have influence in what we're doing? How do we step into this person that God has for us? And what does that mean for our community around us? What does it mean for our family around us? What does it mean for our work relations? How does that affect us? Luke chapter 10, verse 25. On one occasion, the expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Jesus always asks, almost always answers a question with a question because he's cool like that. Um, He answered, love the Lord your God. This is the, uh, the, the expert in the law, okay? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus answers, you've answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? This guy is basically an internet troll before there were internet trolls, right? That's what this guy is. Um, but, uh, but he just wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, which is a lot of money, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, there's all kinds of stuff packed into this this passage. What Jesus is doing is basically condensing the whole Old Testament into a few verses. He's just going, let's just package it in a story. And here you go. And it pokes at the right things. It pokes at ideas of how you take care of your neighbor. It pokes at ideas of racism, the, the, the ideas between the Samaritans and the Jews. Like, this is serious, serious, serious bigotry that's going on. And so he's, he's kind of needling these. He's just poking at all kinds of different avenues and areas and saying, all right, this is how you do this. You say you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, but you don't act it out. And so we're going to kind of just put this all in story form and kind of and push it, push at it. And so that's what Jesus is doing here. And it got me to thinking about how we do this at church. At church, we're traditionally really good at dealing with loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength and mind. That's what I think of when I think of church. That's what I go. I go to church. I get my, get my worship on or I do whatever. And I am working on my relationship with God and I'm working right there. But Jesus doesn't seem, even the expert in the law doesn't seem to separate these two ideas of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's one verse, one sentence. It's just go in there. He, 
He's not even taking a breath in between them. They are connected. But for me, in my version of Christianity, I like to separate those two. And I get really good at working on me and working at my faith. And then I don't love my neighbor. And I don't invest in that. And I just work on myself. I get very selfish with my faith. Interesting thing about getting selfish with your faith is you don't grow in your faith when it's all about you. It's when you serve, it takes you out of totally different comfort zones that you've never experienced before. I love it when I get random questions about the Bible throughout the week. Um, I got a great one this week. Uh, it just, it forces me out of my rut. Like I have my own preparation. Uh, I, Monday I do this, and Tuesday I do this. And in and, and the messages, and that's you know reading the scripture and, and, and kind of working with it. And then someone will send me a random uh, email about a random text that I am not working with, I haven't been working with in, in a long time. And uh, this week was about Christmas. And I was like, okay, we'll deal with Christmas. Um, so, and it kind of it jerks me out of my, but what does that do? See, I've been working for me. You got to work for your job. You got to do your thing. You got to focus in on it here. And then you get this random other voice. I have a choice. I can be like, I don't have time to deal with this. I don't want to interject with that. Or I can open myself up to dealing with that. When we deal with our own faith and we, like, I'm reading my Bible for me and I'm praying. I might be even praying for somebody else. That person called me, but I can't answer the phone because I'm praying for you right now. So the other way, right? God, God, pray for me to be able to speak into people in the, in the church's lives, that they would be open enough with me that I, 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 could, I could meet them in a, in a new way and, and develop these relationships. I don't have time to respond to your Bible question about the email because I'm, I'm focused. You see the problem that, with that? Because if I, uh, I just write it off and wait a second. But when you engage with those other things, then you start to grow. I have to go do research because some of your questions are so good, so hard. It takes me a couple hours to respond to them because I'm like, well, that was a master's level question. And you're looking for a two sentence response. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, 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 let's work on that. My dad's plight. Um, so let's work on that. And it's fun. It's engaging. But this is why, our, why we take mission trips, right? This is why we send our students on these, these engaging trips. Because when you, you talk about it, and they work so well in conjunction with a conference, because the conference is all about them. It's all about what their worship likes. It's about the nice lights. It's about this huge emotional roller coaster that the conference planners put you on purposely. Like it's all designed for them for that moment. But then you rip them out of that and you put them in a missions experience where it's all about serving someone else. And so you're trying to facilitate this, this environment where you're loving God with everything you have. And you just said you love God with everything you have. Well, let's make you serve in a weird environment that makes you awkward and you have to deal with other teenage kids and you want to kill each other by the end of the week. All right, you really want to love God? You got to love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? That snotty sixth grader right there. Uh, So do you see see how that works? But life is the same way. We talk about how we love God or we're trying to love God. We're trying to develop this relationship thing. And then, and then this position or this, this, this opportunity happens where you can love your neighbor. You're like, I don't have time for that. Wait a second. That's when you get to actually flex those muscles. It's kind of like the same of we keep on uh, reading about. I get an email about, uh, called Eat This, Not That. And it's a book series, but he, it's a blog that they keep on looking at, like, what's the worst possible thing you can eat at Applebee's? And then they give you, what's the best thing you can eat at Applebee's? The worst things are pretty long list. 
BT dubs. All right, so that's, that's a long, long, long list. The, the salad with no salad dressing. That's basically the only thing you can eat at a restaurant, okay? Uh, so, but I get those all the time. Do I take that advice? No. No, I do not take that advice. I'm like, oh, the not that, it must be delicious. <laughs> so let's go with that one, all right? Sometimes I, I do, but most of the time, no, it's not happening. That's how our faith is. We, we, we get the information in. We understand it. We're, we're equipped with the tools, but then we don't put it into practice. And, that's incre- and we, then we're wondering, like, this thing must be broken. I'm not getting the results I, I'm hoping for. Me opening that email and reading it does not equate weight loss. Right? The same thing happens all the time in our faith. God, why, why, are you, why are you feel so distant? Why are you so far? I've been praying and, and reading my Bible and, and doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. Why are you so, so distant to me? You haven't been putting faith into practice. Oh. But that requires a lot of more effort. I don't know if I want that. And I got to deal with people, and I don't know if you've met them, Lord, but they're messy and annoying, and they've got problems, and I've got problems, and those two things don't go well together, right? Yeah, but I told you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Got it. How do we do that? How do we step into that? How do I influence the people around me? Not to make them believe what I believe, but because people are hurting and they need help. We've so often tried to argue people into heaven. That doesn't work. Have you ever met a teenager where arguing with them actually worked? Like they're like, oh, now, now that I told, eviscerated your whole argument, you're going to be a perfect model citizen and do, your, do the dishes and make your bed. It's not how that works. It's not, but we keep on trying it. I'm sure I'll try it with Bone and Kendall here in a couple of years. It already doesn't work with them at eight-year-old, so I can imagine what it's going to be like with a 14-year-old, right? <laughs> influence. How do we build this influence? How do we get a voice to speak into people's lives? Influence comes from proximity. Influence comes from proximity. See, the Samaritan gains influence because he gets next to the man. Do you think the Levite or the priest had anything to say to that guy? They would have been standing on the other side of the road like, oh, well, you should get better. It looks like it hurts. Maybe you should put some ointment on that. Is that helpful? No. But if I look at Christianity today in our churches, oftentimes, and this is self-condemning here, oftentimes we're like on the side of the road, you really should like walk that off. You know, like uh, maybe some Neosporin that would be uh, healthy for you. Instead of getting close and messy, getting in proximity with someone. I pray for this all the time. Um, and then it's this really hard jump to actually pray for it and pray for the opportunity to speak in someone's life and then actually acknowledge the moments in which you get to speak into someone's life. Um, so when I, and a good example of this is I go to the kid's school Pretty often. I have a flexible schedule. That's one of the blessings of being a pastor is I can go, whoop, I can pop over to the school and pop back. And that's just how my, my, my life is. But so I will go to the school and um, if Bowen, you know, at recess, bloodied his nose or ran into a tree again or whatever that, that looks like, um, I, I can go do something with that and, uh, and, and talk to the nurse or take homework or whatever it needs to happen. It's, it's just a fun thing. And so I've been praying for the school. I've been praying for the people in the school that I would have a voice and that our family would be able to speak into it. And I walk into the school, but 
the problem with when I get to walk into school is I got a to-do list. And the tyranny of the to-do list is I only want to deal with the to-do list, right? I only want to deal with, hey, here's my kid's stuff. Are you okay? I'm out. Let's go go on to the next thing. I, this literally happened to me. I had a secretary walk up to me. And I was waiting for Bowen for something. Grab me by the arms, look me in the eye and say, will you pray for me? And I was like, uh, 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 yeah. And she like spewed stuff on me. Not literal, like her stuff, like her, her emotional baggage. Uh, not to, that's a whole other prayer request that have been awkward. Uh, so, uh, so she, she, she dumps this stuff on me. And then like, I, I didn't know what to do. Like, can I pray in school for you right now? Like, am I going to get like, what? Because you see the whole touchy like prayer in school thing. Like, but you asked for it, but you're a but you're employed here. I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And then she, I was like, okay, I will pray for you. And she walked away. And I was sitting there, I was like, was she, was I supposed to pray right now? Like, there are kids all around. Like, that's cool. It haunted me for days afterwards. Like, what was I supposed to do in that situation, Lord? I've been praying for this. I don't know if the lady was disappointed because I didn't pray for her right then or what was going on. It was just this weird cliffhanger. But I came away from that situation going, I was not ready. I, I prayed, I prayed and prayed and prayed for God to give me opportunities to speak into people's lives. And God said, here you go, buddy. And I whiffed on that curveball. <laughs> um, it was bad, right? And so now every time I see that secretary, I'm like, how are you doing? What's going on? I'm like trying to make up for this horrible, horrible just. Now there's been other opportunities where I'm like, yes, I nailed it. But that one, it was my first exposure, and it was like, oh, whoops-a-daisy, totally missed the whole thing. But, so that, that means that I have to change my behavior, right? Just because I'm asking for proximity and I'm, I put myself in the situation doesn't mean that I'm going to be effective yet. It's like, where are you going, hon? I'm going to the bar. Why? Because Jared told me I need to be in proximity to people. Okay, what are you going to do when you get there? Uh, right? So what does that look like? I, influence comes from proximity, you got to get there, but then you have to be ready for the next part because that's where the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength comes in. That's preparing your heart to be able to speak into people's lives. We've gotten really good. We have this weird thing happening in our country right now. Theologically, we have it happening generationally where we are very good at maybe loving our neighbor and so good at loving our neighbor that we throw out the whole God thing. And then that we have another whole subset of people who are trying to be really good at loving God, and they're terrible at loving the neighbor. And it's, you kind of look over back and forth, you go, what is wrong with you people? And anybody stuck in the middle is just eviscerated by both sides. Like that's, welcome to Facebook. Uh, that's just what, what happens over and over and over and over and over again. But where that happens is we, we haven't gotten proximity to people. You haven't gotten close to people. You haven't said, man, that wound looks terrible. Let me bandage it. I'm going to take my own resources to help fix that. That changes the conversation. How do we get in proximity with people? It means we have to change our behavior. It means we have to change our outlook. And this is difficult. Um, I do, if you ever go out to dinner with me or to lunch with me, it's a very interesting experience. Kevin gets to experience this all the time. I develop relationships with the people who serve me. In fact, we had one of our waitresses come to church here a couple weeks ago. We were, I was like dancing. I was so excited about that. But there's a guy at the Firehouse Subs down the road. And he waits on me every single time or takes my order for my meatball sub. And uh, he makes it fantastic. Uh, but so 
we get him all the time. And I saw him out with Kelly later. Kelly and I were on a date, and here goes this guy. And I was like, hey, there's my, he's not my friend. He's the guy at Firehouse. Like, I have developed a relationship with the guy who makes my stuff. I, because I'm in proximity with him, I know him, I, I care about him. But I was like, he's not actually my friend. He's just the guy. Who, Kelly laughed at me and said, you need to get out more. But, um... <laughs> But changing the attitude, changing where when, when I'm at Firehouse, that I can, instead of going, you've got to take my order, this is here, and that's closing the end of the relationship. How do I, you're captivated. You have to talk to me because I'm paying you. How, how do you leverage those opportunities? And so often we go through life with this just tunnel vision of, give me this, give me this, I'm out. And this takes a, a, a change in attitude. It does. It might take a prayer in your car before you go into a store. Like when you pull into Mariano's. Now, you might have to change when you shop for these things, right? Because if you go at Mariano's on a Saturday afternoon to get your groceries, God bless you. Because um, like that's a third circle of hell, you know, right? Do any grocery store, Kelly came home. She went and bought me chicken soup yesterday. She came home from Jewel. She's like, I, I don't shop on Saturday afternoon anymore. <laughs> like, lose your Jesus real quick. Everything's gone because of, of how hard that is. So you got to change. You got to think this through. So you can be in a place in which I pray, God, let me be in proximity to people. Let me be able to speak in people's lives. Help me in this. I'm going to change my, my very posture, your actual posture. I'm going to be open and, and, and willing to engage with people to brighten their day. Our kids are rocking this morning. Oh, that's awesome. Um, how do we do that? How do we build into our time? Our, our, I know we have busy schedules, but how do we build into our time, our timetables, enough margins so we can be present with people, even present with people that we don't know? Change the when or the why you're doing things so your attitude allows you to be present. It's a big one for me. I have to like consciously think, be different at this time. Not fake, but approachable. One of the best times to engage in somebody is around the soup line about Mariano's at lunchtime. It's fun. That's an enjoyable experience. Kevin and I have a blast there. Because you, you're all engaged in the, in the, which one's good? I don't know. Don't try that one. That one, The kale in that one's not so great for your system. Right? Or whatever, you can have a great conversation with somebody about food at Mariano's at the time. Seriously, you can. And it's all about the posture and what you bring to it. It is, because people will engage with you. Sometimes you'll find out way more information than you ever wanted to know. And that's okay. Because we're supposed to love God with everything we have, but also love our neighbor as ourself. Influence comes from proximity. To influence the people around us, we must fall more in love with God and fall in love with with people. Fall more in love with God and fall in love with people. This is an eternal, internal practice. This whole falling in love with God is an internal practice that has very external results. Influence, the second uh, idea today is influence comes from passion. Influence comes from passion. And, and the influence I'm talking about today comes from a passion for God. What are the things that, that build passion? Passion comes from proximity. 
You got to be close to someone that you're in love with, right? If uh, long distance relationships are very, very difficult. Kelly and I were in a, a uh, long distance relationship. We were a whole 45 minutes apart from each other. Uh, a long distance relationship in college because she was at college and I was still a high school senior. <gasps> oh, it was terrible. Before cell phones, man, we tore up those, uh, those calling cards with 8,000 digits. <laughs> anyway, um, no texting. It was just terrible. But passion comes from proximity. You don't think you can love someone if they're not in the room with you, right? But passion comes from proximity. If we're not drawing close to the heart of God, we will fall out of love with God. If we're not in church, if we're not making that a priority, we start to wane in our relationship with God. If we're not in the word, we start to fall out of love with God. If we're not praying, we start to fall out of love with God. If you're not choosing to chase after your spouse in some way, getting close to them, you will start to wane in your relationship with them. If you do not choose to do extra stuff with them, your relationship hurts. Passion comes from proximity. You got to be close to them. Passion comes from choice. I will choose to love you. Sometimes it's very hard to love God. When stuff in life is going really hard, sometimes you have to choose, I'm going to love God today. I'm a little mad at him. I'm a little frustrated with him. I don't understand him, but I'm choosing to love him. Same way with our relationships. Sometimes you got to choose to love your child. <laughs> sometimes you do. You know, oh, you know that, that feeling like when they do something and you immediately feel that ice pick spike just goes right through your forehead. You're like, what are you doing? I'm choosing to love you today. Passion comes from preparation. Passion comes from preparation. A lot of people think passion comes, it's the spur of the moment. Woo! It's this passionate moment, whatever. Passion comes from preparation. If you, uh, there's a, this huge, crazy, unhealthy craze right now of uh, how you ask girls out to homecoming, right? It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. You're not asking them to marry them. You're asking them to a sophomore dance, right? But, but they've got like a singing court, barbershop quartet. Will you go to the, yeah, the prom with me or whatever. It's just this terrible, terrible thing. They're on TV, um, Goodyear blimps are going across, whatever. Uh, I had a person tell me the other day, my, my daughter uh, didn't get asked to homecoming, and, and, uh, but she has a boyfriend, so she's really confused with the whole thing. She's like, and I go, just text him. Are we going to homecoming? And so she did. And he was like, yeah, but I didn't know how to ask you. <laughs> like, he couldn't, will you go to homecoming with me? That's how that works. <laughs> but I didn't have a cake or flowers or yeah, whatever. It's this huge, huge, huge thing. Very unhealthy. Very unhealthy. That's a side note. But it comes, this is the cute thing, is it comes from all this preparation, right? We have to think about it. We're going through the, 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 the motions. We're kind of figuring it all out. How does this work? What does this look like? How do I prepare for this moment? And so passion comes from preparation. It comes that way when we prepare with God. It's not just a, oh, I fell into, like, oh, well, there's a Bible. It's been getting dust on it for the last six months, but I'm going to open it today and expect this wonderful encounter with God today. It might happen, but what happens when you just say, no, God, I'm, I'm choosing. My six o'clock to 6.30 every morning is for you, and I'm prepared for this, and I'm, coming, I'm bringing that to you. I'm going to drink my cup of coffee. I'm going to get in with you, and this is what's going to happen every day. This is what we're doing. We're doing. We're doing. We're doing. 
and setting up your day in preparation for loving God in the morning and then loving everyone else all throughout the day. Passion comes from proximity, choice, and preparation. Passion is contagious. Passion is contagious. I, uh, passion can also be really annoying. Meet any Notre Dame fan. Um, but passion is... Con- <laughs> I, we're, we're proud of the Scarcellis. Uh, so pa- passion is contagious, right? You either are very put off by it, the Scarcellis have a son that's at Notre Dame, for those of you that don't know. So they, are, they, they have a reason to be a Notre Dame fan. Um, but the passion is contagious. It, it drives a response to it. Like, I lived in Georgia for almost 10 years. I don't like, like, when I, before I moved there, didn't care about Georgia football at all. Didn't care about the SEC. All I knew about the SEC was Kentucky was in it and wool. And so there, there's, there's that. But the passion that people had for football was contagious because, I mean, all the traditions, they're on Ugga, you know, that's a little bulldog 75 or whatever, but man, they know every single one of them. They, they got, they, they're just passionate about every single aspect about, about, about the football. And, and you couldn't help. If you were indifferent, you started to form an opinion just because they were so stinking passionate about it. Passion is contagious. You want a passion for God to be enlightened in your children's lives? You want a passion for God to be enlightened in your spouse's life? Have it. Choose it. Prepare it. Be close to him. Passion comes from proximity, choice, preparation, and it is contagious. <clears throat> Influence comes from proximity, passion, and purpose. And finally, how we do this uh, influence thing is Influence comes from purpose. Let's be filled with God's purpose for our life. As we look back on the Good Samaritan, he does a couple things that really facilitates this purpose idea. He notices the problem. He notices the problem. And a lot of us are really good at noticing problems. Amen? We're really good at, that's a problem. I can notice every orange barrel on the freeway that needs to be picked up. Right? Every toll booth, I notice those. Uh, He notices the problem. He takes action. Not so great with that one. He takes action. And finally, he gets dirty, which means he gets some skin in the game. This is, this is awesome to me. Like all, a lot of the times I look at church work and, and I have to prep it all up. And I, and I build these whole programs because I want it to be as easy on ramp as possible. But in reality, what the good Samaritans does is says, I don't care about the cost. I'm f- throwing money at the situation. I'm investing of myself. I'm, 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 I'm leveraging my own relationships. People might think I'm weird. It doesn't matter. I don't care about my own travel expenses. He, he notices the problem. He takes action on the problem. And he says, you know what? It's going to cost me something, and I'm okay with it. When, uh, when I was in high school, I became a lifeguard. And this is also... Um, AIDS had just went from the very, 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 very scary, like don't give somebody with AIDS a hug, to okay, it's only blood, so just be careful around blood. And it, it kind of was progressing through all, the, all these things. But it was like, what if someone's dying? How are we supposed to, like, are we supposed to find this mask? And what if I don't have the right breathable mask? And, and all these things. It's like, I got to help the person who's, who's dying. And it was a very real conversation that we had to keep on happening as, as, as lifeguards is you've got to be prepared. You've got to put gloves on. You've got to do these things. And you were seen as a crazy person, and you could get fired if you touched somebody that was bleeding without gloves on. 
And it was just this very interesting thing. There's skin in the game. He notices, he takes actions, and he says, you know what? I'm going to get dirty. I'm going to get dirty. I think for a lot of us, we need to be moved to, a, to, to this idea of, I'm loving God with everything that I have. But I need to move beyond the aspect of, he notices, the, the priest and the Levite, they noticed the problem. And they moved to the other side. He take, and they took an action. It was the wrong one. But he decided to get dirty. Can we make the same choice today? Because if we're going to be a great church for this community, we need to notice, we need to take action, and we need to be willing to get dirty. Uh, in your neighboring um, ideas, we're going to talk a lot about neighboring in the, for the next year. Uh, but as we talk about neighbors, and neighbors, according to the story, are everybody. So you can't be like, oh, well, they live three houses away. So I don't have to talk to them. Uh, everyone is a neighbor. But how do we do this? How do we, how do we know when I miss the social cues? Like I, I miss the times when people actually want me to talk to them. I talk probably a lot to them when they don't want me to talk to them, but I miss the times in which they want me uh, to talk to them. So here's three social cues that it's okay to start talking about God, to start inviting to church and saying, hey, I want to invest in your life. So if people say, things aren't going very well. Things are rough. Like, Things are rough. And you know these conversations. They get a little quieter. You've been talking about sports or about something else for a while. and Things are rough. This is when you get to step into that. I wasn't prepared for how crazy a 15-year-old girl was going to be. Nobody is, but that's okay. I wasn't prepared for that. Okay, I can step into that. I'm not from around here. I don't feel connected. I, I struggle with knowing anybody. It's a moment, it's a social cue to say, I could step into this. Should we have like a big, wah, wah, wah. you've been praying for an opportunity. This is it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Notice, take action, be willing to get dirty. Influence comes from passion, proximity, and purpose. As we progress as a church, as we find ourselves, as we figure out who we are, as we strive towards loving God with everything that we have, we also have to strive to loving our neighbor the best we possibly can be. Can. And what that looks like is it'll be messy. And what that looks like is it'll be awkward. And what that looks like is it won't always make sense. But as I read Luke chapter 10, the Good Samaritan story does not make any sense. It is totally messy. And it costs them something. But if we're committed to loving the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and strength and mind, we also have to be committed to loving our neighbor as ourself. Let me pray for you this morning as the band comes up. God, right now I ask you to, to place a burden on our hearts to love you with everything that we have and love our neighbors with everything we have. Lord, that this moment and this time we would Submit ourselves to your calling. Submit ourselves to your authority. Submit ourselves to, to who you are calling us to be. God, I, I thank you that we are a people that are called to something more, that we are not just supposed to be sitting in seats and just reading by ourselves all the time, that you've called us to be in community, that you've told, called us to get messy, you've called us to get active, you've called us to be involved in people's lives, that we are supposed to be salt and supposed to be light. And God, I know that a salt shaker does absolutely nothing sitting in the cabinet. But Lord, 
as we look at our lives, as we look at the ways in which we're interjecting with people, as we, as we touch people's lives, that you would, you would open up our eyes to the opportunities that surround us. That if we're there to be able to add flavor, that we would do it. That we wouldn't let these opportunities pass us by and walk on by and that we just miss it. That you would open our eyes to the people that we, we come in contact with. Whether those people live in our own homes, whether they are our next door neighbors or if they're the person we see at Kohl's or at Jewel. God, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.